the title of the sermon today is I've Never, and the text is this passage of Scripture from Matthew's Gospel uh, that we often call uh, the Great Commission. The Great Commission. So uh, a week or so ago, I was in the office, and I just happened to walk into the main office area, and I overheard a conversation uh, that someone was having with one of our Redbird team. Uh, Redbird guys, they're the guys that uh, take days and weeks out of their lives, and they travel up to Kentucky, and they've built a home up there uh, every year for the last, for as long as I've been here and beyond. And so uh, they were asking this this guy, how does he do it? It, it, it? He's in his 80s. How in the world does does he continue to do this? And he said, well, I've just never been one to sit around. I just have always got to be doing something. And, and there was a, another conversation that I heard a few weeks ago about someone who had recently retired and they were going to try to find a lot of things to do because they had a sibling who decided when he or she retired that they were just going to sit on the back porch and enjoy the view and and now they're dead and and so it's like I, I want to make sure that I stay busy I want to make sure that I'm always doing something uh, for other people so that I can hopefully live a long and prosperous life and I got to thinking about how uh, the, what was true for my own mother. When, when my dad died, my mother just sort of shut her life down. She, she really she stopped her job. She just kind of stayed in her apartment most of the time. And, and almost from the moment that she quit her job and she quit doing all these things in the community that she'd been doing in before, she sort of just began to decline. And, and it's, it's almost like we were never created to just sit around. Um, I was thinking a few weeks ago about uh, when I was in the conference office, uh, I didn't like my chair that I had to sit in. And I'm a big believer in a nice chair for your office. And so I began to do all of this research about finding the best chair that you could possibly sit in. And as I was researching to find out what the best chair that I could have, I began to notice that in almost every other office in the conference office building, people were getting these standing desks. And, and like, it was like all the rage a few years ago. It had little electronic buttons and it would raise and it would go up. And they were talking about how that research is now shown that, that you should stand more, that, that, that we were not created to sit. And so they were buying all of these fancy standing desks while I was looking for fancy sitting chairs. I was so determined to prove my point that I began to Google and see if there were any books out there about the, the importance of a nice sitting chair for your office. And, and, and I found this book. It was called uh, Now I Sit Me Down. And it was all about pursuing the perfect office chair. And I said, this is exactly what I need to make my point to everybody else in the conference office until I got to the point of the book that said, you know what, you can always be searching for the perfect office chair, but it does not exist because we were not created to be sitting down. 
I hate that book. It's just not the way we were wired. We were meant to be standing. We were even meant to be lying flat on the ground. But we were really not created to stay seated for very long. And yet, everything in our culture, except for all those office desks in the conference office, seems like we're looking for ways to sit down. Well, in our scripture lesson this morning, it's almost as if Jesus is trying to communicate the same message. That we should never be ones to just sit around. We were not created just to stay seated. We were created to be on the go. Jesus has gathered together His disciples just moments before He is going to ascend into heaven. And He tells His disciples that I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of time. There's one sort of phrase, however, in this passage of Scripture that I didn't just read or I didn't just quote for you because it oftentimes gets overlooked in this particular passage of Scripture. And it, it is a reference to even though Jesus told them to go and make disciples, even though Jesus told them to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even though Jesus told them to teach others everything that He had commanded them, we learn in this particular text that some of them doubted. Now, why in the world would anybody who spent this much time around Jesus over the last three years of their lives, why would any of them doubt Jesus? And I'm guessing that maybe one of the reasons why they doubted Jesus is because what Jesus was asking them to do was really, really difficult. The first thing that Jesus said He wanted them to do is He wanted them to go and to make disciples in all of the nations. Now, these were not learned people that Jesus was talking to. These were not, in all likelihood, well-traveled people. Uh, it's almost like trying to communicate God's love by using a bottle and a message shoved inside of it. It's, it's not the easiest thing to do. And, and, and certainly, the modes of communication in Jesus' day and the modes of travel in Jesus' day made making disciples of all nations a really tall order. It was going to be really, really difficult for them to do. Uh, not to mention the fact that, that whenever you got too far away from home, which these disciples probably had never done, there was always suspicion of people who were foreigners. Maybe you had come to take possession of their land. Maybe you, you were coming to put people into bondage or into slavery. There was always this suspicion and this fear and this animosity towards foreigners. 
And when you think about the Jewish people themselves, the disciples that Jesus was rallying together to go and make other disciples throughout all of the nations, they themselves had been a part of an oppressed group living under Roman oppression and rule. They were a minority, these Jews who had decided to follow Jesus. There were more people who did not follow Jesus during these days than there were... um, People who did follow Jesus during these days. And so what Jesus was asking them to do was very, very difficult. Then the second thing that Jesus asked them to do that was very difficult is that Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't baptize people unless you've, you've prepared them for baptism. I don't know if you're aware of that, but, but, but one of the things when people come down uh, to be baptized, we want to know something either about them or about their parents or their sponsors if, if a child is coming for baptism. Uh, first of all, we want to know, do you believe everything that is recorded in the Old and New Uh, testaments of scripture that that everything that's essential for salvation is included there well jesus is asking them to baptize and there isn't even uh, a, a bible that's been assembled at this particular time for them to use so how are you going to prepare people for baptism how are you going to what's the curriculum that you are going to use to tell them about god and, and, and how are you going to prepare these people to be baptized in the name of Jesus when Jesus is largely viewed by many in the culture of His day as an outlaw? I mean, He was such an outlaw that they ended up executing Him uh, for His beliefs. And, and so how in the world are you going to prepare people to be baptized in the name of a person that's largely viewed with suspicion by everybody in the community. Jesus is asking these disciples to do some very difficult things. And the third thing that Jesus says is that I want you to teach them everything that I have commanded you. Well, as I've already mentioned, the Bible wasn't written at this particular time. It had not yet been assembled into what we have today. Even Paul, who was Saul, who had his conversion uh, on the Damascus Road, had not yet been converted. And therefore, he had not written the majority of the books that we find written in the New Testament. Even the church itself, into which all of us have been baptized, for those of us who have been baptized, that church had not yet been created. And all of the creeds and and, and all of the liturgies and, and, and all of the theology that we have grown accustomed to had not yet been formulated and wouldn't be formulated for hundreds of hundreds of years. So why did these disciples doubt? Maybe they doubted because what Jesus was asking them to do was very, very difficult stuff. And yet, they did it. 
And because they did it, people like you and me thousands of years later are gathered here in this place today because someone told someone else about the good news of God's great love. And they told them in a way that they could receive it and in a way in which they could respond to it and their lives have never been the same. Can you imagine, can you just think for a moment about how many lives have been transformed by this particular faith community, St. Mark's United Methodist Church? Can you imagine how many prayers have been prayed from the pews that you're now sitting on? Can you imagine how many lives have been given to God at this altar rail? Can you imagine how many people who were in desperate need of hope and love and acceptance and grace and mercy have found that here at St. Mark's United Methodist Church? It's all because people that went before us had been so touched by the good news of God's great love that they themselves were willing to go and make disciples of other people. Because they were willing to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And because they were willing to teach others everything that Jesus had taught and commanded them to teach. What I love most about the story of St. Mark's is that this church should have never gotten off the ground. When this church was birthed, when, when the dream for this church began, it was just months before the Great Depression. And there were people that were saying, we need a new Methodist presence here in this community. And so people from First Methodist Church came over to help be seeds, to help plant this church. There were others in this community that came to make sure that this church got off the ground. And then as soon as we began meeting together for worship, the Great Depression hit and nobody had any money <laughs> And everybody was worried and everybody was fearful. And, and, and this church began in some of the most difficult, one of the most difficult periods in our country's life. And yet it did not stop them. There may have been some doubts, but they remained faithful to making disciples Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching others about the good news of God's love. They knew that we were not created to just sit around. They were never the kind of people that would do that. And because they got up, and because they went... And because they did what Jesus commanded in the Great Commission. You and I are here today. Our faith has been strengthened by this community of faith. And the tentacles of our ministry have reached out throughout the world. So that others 
can respond to the good news of God's love. Thanks be to God.